0: A new series that we are beginning today and i it's story time all right it's story time and so we normally have a nursery and pre-k room available back here on my left and your right just across the hall And then, as I said a few moments ago, we would usually send out kindergarten through sixth grade. Kindergartners have their choices to which room to go through based on where they're at. Sixth graders have their choices to whether to go to kids ministry or youth ministry on Wednesday nights or both. But but we're going to, I want all of our K through six, if you want to, I want you to come on up and sit on these altars for a minute, okay? Because it's story time. And I am going to read to our kids and to our whole church the foundation of this new series. So, Here's Miss Casey, she's our teacher. just come up and sit right up here. you can look at me you don't have to look at the crowd just sit up here on the you can sit on the floor you can sit on the altars wherever you want. have a seat and we're going to read a story to you okay uh, because when I started preparing this message I realized you know that Casey does don't you appreciate Miss Casey and all she does for our kids she's a blessing to us. All right, so it's story time guys okay and I'm going to read you a story and then I'm Casey's going to go talk to you guys about the story, and I'm going to talk to your moms and your dads and your grandparents about the story. So here's the story, okay? And you guys listen, too, because this is what we're going to be talking about. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and then he separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and he called the darkness night. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the first day. Then God said, let there be a space between the waters, To separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. God called the space sky. And evening passed and morning came marking the second day. Then God said let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. God called the dry ground land, and he called the waters seas. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation. Every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit, these seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the third day. Then God said, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth, and that is what happened. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set these lights in the sky to light the earth to govern the day and night and to separate the light from the darkness And God saw that it was good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the fourth day. Then God said, let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water. And every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. And then God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas. Let the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed, and morning came marking the fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And that is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, Small animals each able to produce offspring of the same kind and God saw that it was good Then God said let us make human beings in our image to be like us They will reign over the fish in the sea the birds in the sky the livestock all the wild animals on the earth and The small animals that scurry along the ground so God created human beings in his own image In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. And then God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food, and I have given every green plant as food for the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life, and that's what happened. And then God looked over all that he had made, and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed, and morning came marking the sixth day. So the creations of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished the work of creation. So he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day he rested from all his work of creation. This is the account of the creations of the heavens and the earth. Good story. Can I pray for you guys before you go with Miss Casey to your class? Father, thank you so much for, for these children. We thank you, Lord, for each one. We thank you for their lives. We thank you for their parents and their grandparents and their families. We thank you, Lord, that you have a plan for each and every one of their lives. And I pray, God, that you would put your word deep into them. Bless Ms. Casey and her team as they minister to these kids and teach these kids. Lord, I pray that, that we as a church family would be able to teach them Pass our faith and the knowledge of your word on to them, and Lord, for us adults that stay here in this room, speak your word to us. Cause us to be excited about your word in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. All right, you guys can go to your class. Let's give them a hand. All right, we love our kids. We love our kids. Praise the Lord. Now I want you to do your best today, and in the coming weeks, you should do this every week. But really. I want you to listen. I want you to pay attention. I've got some stuff I want to share with you from God's Word today and the next few weeks in this series that I think are extremely important. And, and I want us to think, all right, I want us to think because I think God has some ways to speak to us that maybe He hasn't spoke to us before. The first the first story in the Bible, what we've just read and what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks, tells us some of the most foundational some of the most foundational truths about God and humanity. So do you want to understand more about God? It's here. Do you want to understand more about you? It's here. Do you want to understand more about your family? It's here. Do you want to understand more about your boss, your job, the problems in the world, the difficulties, the confusion, sickness, and death? It's all here. The first few chapters of the Bible really are foundational to our entire understanding about life. So many of the big questions of life can be answered or at least begun to be answered if we go back to understanding the first stories. And there is so much that We will not understand and so much that will never be answered to anyone's satisfaction if we don't understand the foundational stories So the first story in the Bible gives us Six of these foundational truths and I'm just going to talk about the first one today. It's going to take us five or six weeks to go through all six of these So the first story gives us six of these foundational truths and we're going to look at the first one today And the first one is this God is Exists and He's the Creator. God exists and He is the Creator. The Bible starts out in the beginning God. In the beginning God. The Bible does not attempt to prove God. For people who are looking to the Bible or people who are reading the Bible to try to prove that God really exists, they are going to be disappointed. And if you think that you can prove to other people the existence of God by using the Bible, you might be in for a difficult time because the Bible was not written to prove the existence of God. The Bible starts out in the beginning, God. He's there. Francis Schaeffer said he is the God who is there. God exists. He is. The Bible just assumes that and accepts that from the very beginning. Now, later on, The Bible says it is actually the creation itself that reveals and convinces people about God's existence. But the Bible was not written to be a treatise or a dissertation to prove that there is a God. The Bible just says he's there. He's there. And he was there in the beginning when everything got started. Now here's a question that sometimes I struggle with and you may struggle with this too. How do you understand God always being there? God was never created. God never began. There was never a starting point. There was never a birthday. There was no one, nothing else to create him. God just says, always. it's easier to understand something never ending. It's almost impossible, if not impossible, to completely comprehend and understand something never beginning. How do you understand God always being there and never beginning? I don't. I don't understand it, but how do you understand the creation, or how do you understand anything else if you don't just accept that God always was there? I don't understand it, but I accept it, because if I don't accept it, I can't understand anything else. So let me say this, the Bible is a storybook. The Bible's not a science textbook. It was not written to be a science textbook or any other kind of textbook. The Bible's a storybook. If you want to get a good, good, good Bible storybook to read Bible stories to your kids, get a good Bible. Just read the Bible to them. Tremendous, tremendous stories. You might edit out a few verses here and there, you know, when you get to some parts of David's life and wait until they get to the place where they can take some of it. But, But read the Bible to your kids. It is the ultimate storybook and the Bible was not listen to me the Bible was not given to us to help us understand every question the Bible was not given to us to help us resolve every scientific quandary actually the Bible says we have the creation itself for that God gave us the creation to point the way to him the truth of the matter today is The founders of the modern scientific method, the founders of the modern scientific method, Copernicus, Aristotle, those guys, they started with God. They founded the modern scientific method by starting with God and doing what the Bible says, looking at the creation, the big stuff in the sky, the little things under the microscopes, They looked for the creation to reveal more about God to them. They looked to the creation and understanding the science of creation to, to get a greater understanding about God and life. So many who attempt to practice science today they could have never founded the scientific method because they have removed and rejected the base they have rejected the focus of the search which is to find out more about God they don't start with God they're searching the universe to try to disprove God so they have totally turned the modern scientific method on its head they could have never been the founders of what they practice today they want to find out more about life But they continually reject the life giver. And today we often hear this phrase, well, the science is settled. The science is settled. Well, science itself has revealed that it is never settled. The universe seems to keep updating itself like skin that replenishes. Wastelands are becoming fertile. One discovery will be made and another discovery will outdate the previous study and make it obsolete. Science is about continuous learning, not settling and establishing every fact. So listen to me. If the Bible and science seem to contradict occasionally, don't get confused. Don't don't let that knock you around. Don't, Don't get unsettled. Science keeps changing its conclusions, but the Bible never does. Now, sometimes we change our understanding of the Bible. We change our interpretations because we are ever learning this thing as well, and we don't have it all figured out. But the conflicts, the seeming apparent conflicts, between science and the Bible will always get resolved if we keep looking in both places and we don't throw out the Bible to keep the science textbook and we don't throw out the science textbook with a blind grip on the Bible. We don't undermine the basis of either factor. If we keep looking, both will be proven true. Both will be found in agreement because as we stated, the founders of the modern scientific method began with God. They looked for the universe and every element to reveal more about God. And so if we let science, reveal more about God and His creation, it will. And if we let the Word of God guide us in our search throughout the creation, we will discover more about the Creator and His creation. So many today are trying to force the Bible, I think, to answer questions that the Bible was never intended to answer. There's an author by the name of Dan Kimball. He wrote an interesting book called How Not to Read the Bible. And he said in the book, so many of the debates within christianity as well as the mocking criticism of the bible end up being irrelevant when we accept that god wasn't providing details to satisfy questions from our modern scientific worldview god was communicating vital information to the ancient israelites in genesis chapter 1 verse 2 when it states the earth was formless and empty This sets up our expectation for what comes next. God is about to take what was formless, and in the first three days, he's going to give it form and function, and after he forms it, he fills it. Days one through three, deal with the formlessness of the earth, giving it shape and function. Days four through six, deal with the void, filling what is empty, and in all of this, the larger point is clear, God is bringing order to the chaos. God is bringing order to the chaos. So Dan Kimball goes on to say our technical questions and attempts to dissect the text seem irrelevant. God is communicating his awesome power and his beautiful purpose for everything. We can use all of our time asking the Bible, our scientific questions about creation, all the while missing the beauty of what God was communicating to the original recipients. So the Bible's not a scientific textbook. The Bible's a storybook. It's an exciting story. It's a dramatic story. It is a true story. So what was God trying to communicate to the original readers? What was God trying to communicate to the very first people who read these writings? Let's think about that. Well, who wrote the book of Genesis? Moses. This guy named Moses... Wrote the words that we just read. What was happening when God inspired, that word inspired means God breathed. Breathed. So what was happening when God breathed through Moses? God himself breathed through Moses to write this book. What was going on? Well, Moses was leading a group of slaves out of bondage. To a new place to live in freedom. And become the people of God. And those people knew just about nothing. About nothing. They had been. Slaves. Later on in Genesis, Moses is going to tell us about Abraham, and he's going to tell us about Isaac, and he's going to tell us about Jacob, and he's going to tell us how Jacob's name was changed to Israel, and then he had a son named Joseph, and Joseph became a leader in Egypt, and then his kids grew and multiplied until they they, they were more numerous than the Egyptians, and so the Egyptian Pharaoh got his army and made all the descendants of Joseph, which has now become a nation. He turned them into slaves. We're going to find all about that, and so then these people, children of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob, Israel, Joseph, these people multiplied and became slaves for 400 years. Still no Bible. No Bible, no written guide. 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament, we've said. 400 years with no prophet at all. Now you've got 400 years between Joseph and Moses. 400 years. So God breathes through Moses to tell these people who generation after generation after generation after generation going back to great 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 grandpa they, they're nothing but slaves in Egypt surrounded by the Egyptian culture god breathes through Moses to tell these people the history of the world and their history when all they had known was slavery. All they had was the Egyptian gods all around. All they had was the Egyptian stories all around. The, and that, that was a totally different understanding of the world. A totally different understanding of the universe. A totally different understanding of people. A totally different understanding of how to live. A totally different understanding of the expectations and the attitudes of God or the gods in the, in the beliefs of the Egyptians. So God breathes, God himself not speaking to anybody for 400 years he breathes through Moses to teach these people and explain it all and he starts out in the beginning God in the beginning God and God created you see there were there were all kinds all kinds of stories already in existence about the creation every different people group every different tribe every different little nationality nation state city state every group had their own different story about creation and how the world got here every civilization that existed at the time moses was leading the israelites from slavery in egypt to freedom walking through the desert writing the first words of the bible Every, every, every other culture had their own story about how the world came about, how humans came about. Every one of them had a story. There was no Bible. God had been communicating directly with people. He communicated directly with Adam. He communicated directly with Noah. He communicated directly with Abraham. He communicated directly with Isaac. He communicated directly with Jacob. And he communicated directly with Moses. And then for 400 years, it was slavery. Nothing, zero, no teaching, no word, no Bible, no word from the Lord, nothing. So now Moses comes along, 400 years between Joseph and Moses, and God says, okay. God says, okay, there's been a lot of confusion out there. These descendants of Abraham who came about because I promised they would, they're now free. I'm going to bless them. I'm going to do with them what I told Abraham I would do with them 500 and some more years ago. And my goal is to teach them how I created human beings to live so that they can be blessed, so that they can live to the fullest and greatest capacity they can according to my original desire. And then every other human being can look at them and say, hey, look at that. That's how to live. That's how to be blessed. And God says, that's how I'll get a relationship back with them like I originally had with Adam and Eve before they blew it. We'll get to that when we get to Genesis chapter 3. So so God knows all about all these various creation stories. He knows all about the various creation stories. The Egyptians had a story of creation. The Babylonians had a story of creation. All of this. And he wants his people to know the real story. So he's not giving them scientific details. They're not scientists. They are a generation of slaves who are now nomads. They haven't ever had time for school. They're not educated. He is telling them the story of creation so that they will know the right one. He's telling them the story of creation so they will know what reveals him. And they won't get confused by all the other stories they've heard from the Egyptians. And they will hear even more stories when they travel to the place God has planned for them. So... John Mark Comer wrote in his book, God Has a Name. And he said, the opening line of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In Hebrew, the word God is Elohim. Many of you have heard that name before. You've heard that word before. There's multiple references or names for God throughout the Bible. Elohim is one of them. But here's a point John Mark Comer brings out in his book. Elohim is not actually a name. It says it in the beginning, God. That's the word Elohim there. It's actually more a category. So it is used, it is used here. It's talking about the creator of the universe, the only one true God. Don't mistake that. But, but here is the thing. That word in the Hebrew language Elohim was also used for all kinds of other spiritual beings, not just God. So an so Elohim, that word Hebrew in Elohim, it referred to not just the one true God who created everything, It it was a reference to any invisible but real, invisible but real spiritual creature. So, in the language of the day, Elohim was kind of just a catch-all word for what they can't see and what they can't fully understand. So, right off the bat, in the opening line of the story, what is God breathing through Moses? There is one Elohim who made everything. The sun, the moon, the stars, he made all of it. Now, that, that was... That was an in-your-face, unbelievable, staggering claim to make in 2000 B.C. Because however you read Genesis chapter 1, this much is clear. The story is set against the backdrop of all of these other creation myths. Like, for example, the Babylonians had a story of creation, okay? We still have a record of it. It's called the Enuma Elish, The Enuma Elish is the Babylonians' version of creation. Every one of these was a little different, but all of them basically claimed that the universe was created in the aftermath of a giant conflict, cosmic conflict between the gods, okay? So the Big Bang Theory is nothing different than all of those. They've just removed God from the Big Bang. But all of these other creation stories had something very, very similar. In the Babylonian story, the Enumis, Enuma Elish, the god's name was Marduk. And Marduk led an epic battle against Tiamat and her monster army. Make a great, like, B movie from the 60s or something, you know, with animation, Whatever. So, so the Babylonian, this is the Babylonian story of creation. The god Marduk led an epic battle against Tiamat and her monster army. Marduk killed Tiamat and then makes planet Earth out of her corpse. Isn't that a joyful and an uplifting story? Sent the kids out before we shared that one. Marduk is this big battle. Marduk kills Tiamat, makes planet Earth out of her corpse, And they say this explains why you occasionally get dizzy. That's what they thought. But as crazy as it sounds to modern ears, this was how intelligent and thinking people made sense of the world. But the Bible, the Bible made a claim radically out of step with its time. It claims that there is one true creator God who made everything. And the world was born not out of conflict or war or jealous infighting. But the world was created out of the overflow of his creativity and his love. So, John Mark Comer concludes this section, he says, so there's God, the uncreated creator of everything, a being with no parallel in the universe and he's dictating his story he's dictating it to moses moses write this down i'm going to dictate it to you he dictates his story of creation it's the story that god wants his people to know of how they got there and not to be confused by all the other stories or theories in the world and this this god this elohim he's personal He's a personal God. He is talking directly with Moses. He wants to talk directly with his people. He wants to have a relationship with people, and he wants to have a relationship with you. It's God who made everything. He's a personal God that wants to have a relationship with you. Joel Houston and Michael Fatkin and Benjamin Hastings wrote these lyrics. You've probably heard the song, but it fits. God of creation, there at the start, before the beginning of time, with no point of reference, you spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of light. And as you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born. In the vapor of your breath, the planets form. If the stars were made to worship, so will I. I can see your heart in everything you've made. Every burning star, a signal, fire of grace. If creation sings your praises, so will I. God of your promise, you don't speak in vain. No syllable empty or void, for once you have spoken, all nature and science follows the sound of your voice. And as you speak, a hundred billion creatures catch your breath, evolving in pursuit of what you said. If it all reveals your nature, so will I. I can see your heart in everything you say, every painted sky, a canvas of your grace. If creation still obeys you, so will I. So will I. So will I. If the stars were made to worship, so will I. If the mountains bow in reverence, so will I. If the oceans roar your greatness, so will I. For if everything exists to lift you high, so will I. If the wind goes where you send it, so will I. If the rocks cry out in silence, so will I. If the sum of all our praises still falls shy, then we'll sing again a hundred billion times. God of salvation, you chased down my heart through all of my failure and pride. On a hill you created the light of the world, abandoned in darkness to die. And as you speak, a hundred billion failures disappear. Where you lost your life so I could find it here. If you left the grave behind you, so will I. I can see your heart in everything you've done, every part designed in a work of art called love. If you gladly chose surrender, so will I. I can see your heart a billion different ways, every precious one a child you died to save. And if you gave your life to love them, so will I, like you would again a hundred billion times. But what measure could amount to your desire? You're the one. Who never leaves the one behind. You're the one who never leaves the one. This awesome God. Who spoke it all into into existence. The mountains. The valleys. The Grand Canyon. The oceans. The animals. Everything we love about this world. Even even with it being broken now. Everything he gave us. This, This God. Who made it all. Wants to know you. You know, when that song says, You're the one who never leaves the one behind, I was one of those he didn't leave behind. And several here, you're among those that he didn't leave behind. He wouldn't leave behind. And if you don't know him yet, if you have not yet accepted Jesus as God and Savior, And if you have not yet put your faith in him for the forgiveness of your sins, he doesn't want to leave you behind. He's searching for you. He's seeking for you. That's why you're here today. The way to greater understanding starts with a personal relationship with the one who made it all. And the one who made you. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Woven together in secret in your mother's womb he created you he loves you he wants to have a personal relationship with you so john chapter 1 tells us a little bit about the beginning and creation in the beginning the word already existed the word was with god and the word was god he existed in the beginning with god god created everything through him And nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. So the word became human. God, who created it all, personal God, wants to have a relationship with you. God Almighty became human and he made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So that same John wrote a letter to the church, wrote a letter to you. And he said, We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, this Creator God, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him. We saw the Creator God with our own eyes, and we touched him with our own hands. He is the Word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. Our fellowship is with the Father, and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we're writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. This is what gives you joy. This is what gives you life john said if we if we claim we have no sin we're only fooling ourselves we're not living in the truth but if we confess our sins to him he's faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness let's bow our heads together today As we bow our heads together in prayer listen do you know him do you know him this creator of everything This creator of all that there is. He came to have a personal relationship with you. The Bible says there simply, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. We believe in our heart God raised Him from the dead. We shall be saved. You can... can, You can know the one who created it all. You can know the one who made you to know him. You're the one he doesn't want to leave behind. Whether you're here or whether you're watching online, he doesn't want to leave you behind. My aunt, my mother's oldest sister, passed away this week. We are not sad because she is now experiencing the fullness of why God created her. And what God created her for. She is now seeing and experiencing what she lived for. And shared in ministry all of her life. It's joyous. It's awesome. Do you have that confidence? Do you have that confidence that you know this creator who wants to know you personally. Because he sent his son Jesus to come and know you. If you don't I want to I lead you in a prayer right now. I want to just lead you in a prayer of confession and acceptance, a prayer according to what the scriptures teach us. And maybe you've never prayed this prayer before. Maybe you prayed it a long time ago, but your life is straight, and you haven't been living in a relationship with him. And I want to ask our church family to pray along with us as a restatement, a reconfession of our faith and trust in the Lord. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you for Jesus. And Father, I thank you that you created everything so that I could know you. I confess I'm a sinner, and I thank you for dying on the cross to take the punishment for my sins. I receive your forgiveness, and I want to follow you in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Just thank the Lord right now for His love. Thank the Lord for His forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus we love you lord we worship you thank you god for all that you have given us thank you for the creation thank you lord that you've made us part of that creation thank you for what you're going to be teaching us in the coming weeks foundational truths about life everything we need to know Lord, settle it in our hearts, settle it in our spirits. For those that have just prayed this prayer today for the first time or the first time in a long time, Holy Spirit, come and confirm your work in their lives. Continue your work in their lives. Draw them closer and closer and closer to you, I pray. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, still in prayer right now, if you did pray that prayer today for the first time or the first time in a long time, there's a place on that card for for you to let us know that you committed or recommitted your life to the Lord. And we only ask for that so we can pray with you and come alongside you and offer you help and assistance in any way. That's why the church gathers to help one another in our walk and our relationship with the Lord. But as we said earlier, we have a number of folks that are not here with us right now because of sickness. And maybe there are some here today, you're here and yet you need a healing in your body, you need a healing in your life, or maybe there's a friend or a family member who needs healing, and you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, there are folks in my life that I'm praying for, and I'm asking God for healing in their lives. All I right, see your hands. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I wonder today if there are some who, maybe you're in need right now of some wisdom and direction. You've been reminded today that there is one who created everything. And he created you with a plan. And he says in his word that if we need wisdom, all we need to do is ask him. And maybe today you raise your hand and say, Pastor, I need some wisdom. I need God's wisdom and guidance and direction. I need his direction. Amen. Let's stand together. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. And we're going to go back and sing this song that we sang at the end time. The one who made the blind to see is moving here in front of me. He's here. God is here today. His presence is here. His power is here. His love is here. And if you raised your hand, you need a healing or you're praying for someone for healing among your family or friends or you're seeking God for wisdom as we sing this, I just want you to step out from where you are and come to the front. And as you come to the front, we're just going to ask our prayer team members to come along and lay a hand on your shoulder and agree with you and pray with you for what you are believing god for you can share with them or you cannot share with them it doesn't matter but if you raise your hand i want to invite you to come you can stand you can kneel the prayer team is going to come along and just pray along with you for god to do his work in your life and in that of your friends what you're standing here for so let's sing let's worship and let's come and let's believe Raise your hand, you need prayer. Come, we want to pray with you. God is here. He is here. He wants to minister to you. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Prayer team members just go and pray with those who are already coming. Just pray along with them.
1: I believe in you. I believe.
0: The God of He's a God of miracles. He's a God of miracles. Let's believe him today. I believe. In one who you. created it all. Hallelujah. He loves you. I believe. He cares in about you. you. He's here for you.
1: You're the God of miracles. The one who does impossible. Yes. He
0: does what's impossible.
1: He's reaching out to make me whole, reaching Praise out Jesus. to make me whole. Hallelujah. The one who put death in its place, we worship you, Lord. his life is flowing through my veins, life is flowing believe